to the Practical Family Podcast with Jennifer Bryant, encouraging your family to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Hey guys, welcome back to the Practical Family Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Bryant, and today we are talking about parenting. Parenting in all of its glory, parenting in all of its messy, sticky, sticky, sticky parenting. My guest today is Jamie Amarine. I am so stoked that I get to interview her finally because I have been so totally stalking her on Facebook for a couple years now. And she has written her new book that named after her blog called Sacred Ground Sticky Floors How Less Than Perfect Parents Can Raise Kind of Great Kids. Jamie is also the author of Stolen Jesus An Unconventional Search for the Real Savior. In both of these books, basically, Jamie is, I think, a master at debunking misconceptions about God, about parenting relationships, and challenging women to get back to the truth of who they are, back to the truth of their identity in Christ. I am praying that you are blessed by the conversation that you're about to hear, because I was blessed hearing it, listening to it again as I edited this episode. It was, I, I was just blessed all over again. Let me tell you a little bit about Jamie before we get started. As I said, Jamie's the author of the popular blog, Sacred Ground Sticky Floors, but she also holds a master's degree in education, counseling, and human development. Uh, Her first book, Stolen Jesus, was released back in October of 2017, and since then she's been featured on numerous online outlets, including Scary Mommy and Mama Lod. She's also been featured on Fox News, Today Parenting, Huffington Post, but most importantly, she and her husband, Justin, are parents to six kids. They are active in foster care advocacy and reform, and they currently live in Texas. They're actually on their second round of parenting as they've taken in two foster little boys that she affectionately refers to as the Vandals on her blog on Facebook. And it's funny to see the antics that they get into, but also her response as a mother and how the Lord just shapes her and continues to teach her and humble her. And it's amazing to read through her books and see her journey because it's absolutely incredible the things that God does when when we do live a life submitted to him and when we admit that we're not perfect and that it's scary. And okay, I won't say anymore. I just can't wait for you to hear this episode. So without further ado, here's my interview with Jamie Amarine. Jamie, it's a pleasure to get to finally meet you in person, sort of, (laughs) over the miles. And uh, I've been following your blog for, gosh, a couple years now. I think somebody recommended it to me and said, Jen, you have to look at this. This lady is real. She's honest. I'm like, I like real and honest. And I look, and I, I the first video that I've seen, that I saw you do was uh, you hiding in the bathroom from your kids. And I just, I couldn't handle it. I was, I, I died and I was like, yep. I feel you, Um, but your passion to get this message out to women that, hey, no more perfect moms or no more trying to play perfect, what put it on your heart to finally get out in front of other people and um, encourage them? Well, it was actually by accident, so (laughs) I am, and I actually, I kind of went kicking and screaming a little bit just because we were in foster care and the balance between promoting self and then trying to keep the kids that we had safe 
truly God has used this journey, which was actually quite, has been quite short to set me free. And once he did, it's hard because like, I I remember in the very beginning, one of my very first rejection letters, it was nice, but it's, uh, my agent sent it to me. She said, I'm going to send it to you because it's nice. And it was nice. It was like, she's an excellent writer. She's funny. She's diverse, but she doesn't have one thing. Is she a homeschool mom? Is she a delinquents mom? Is she, you know, Whole Foods mom, home ec mom, what is she? And I remember thinking, I'm not just one thing. And I'm not just a mom. They were, they were getting older by then, and we had started over with foster care and adoption and have little ones too, but I was thinking that this was actually the actual thought. Where do I stop and where do they begin? And how do they define me? And every once in a while, I'll realize that I'm not speaking to just moms. And I think, oh, I need to, you know, veer back this way. But the truth is, I'm speaking to all women. But in my motherhood, I held myself so accountable for every single thing that went on with these kids. At one point when our middle son, whose birthday is on Thursday, he'll be 19, feels like 35, but, (laughs) and he lives here at home with us. He was struggling. We had to send him away. And it was horrible. I mean, it was just... My, it was just sad and we were at a piano recital for my daughter Sophie who plays the piano by ear and she can play anything she hears it one time and she can play it I mean chords and all it's insane and somebody walked up to me and said and it was somebody that I knew had been talking about me for sending Luke but I, I mean it, you know whatever and she said well you just must be so proud you've done such a good job with Sophie and I just remember thinking I didn't do this to Sophie she came like this she came with this, I can't teach it to anybody. I can't, I mean, I can get her piano lessons, but I have no idea why she can do this. It's frankly a little creepy to us. <laughs> you know, it's just this huge, enormous amount of talent and we're dyslexic and we have all these other learning disabilities and she's solving for X when she's five. I didn't do that. So why do I get credit for that? And then to the same extent, why do I get blamed for Luke, they're being raised in the same house. We're, we're homeschooling. We're I'm doing all the things. We're taking them to church. We're, you know, memorizing scripture. We're doing these things. And so, why am I praised for Sophie and and shunned for Luke? And it was at that point I think that I was most compelled to start writing about that. And then also I remember at one point when, when Luke was gone and I was just suffering and I went to talk to my dad and I know I'm, I'm very sensitive to this. I know not everybody can say this, but I'm a daddy's girl. I have a, a very good dad. And so I do believe that that helps women identify more with a heavenly father. And I, and I am sympathized with that. And I was telling him about it and he was hugging me and over my shoulder and he said, oh baby girl, I'm so sorry. And just made me cry. He said, "I'm so sorry." And I remember thinking, "I'm I am his baby girl. He's not. He doesn't feel any different about me. When Sophie, you know, can play whatever she can play, and Luke is struggling. He's worried about that, and he loves me. He's proud of that, and he loves me. I'm still daughter, and I was daughter before I was mother, and I'll be daughter long after. That doesn't change. And I." just felt very especially from women I was hearing from that were identifying with what I was saying and just that didn't occur to them 
the whole weight of the salvation of their children and the wellness and and love protects it protects it absolutely does protect but if you can make your life the life of your child perfect what do they need Jesus for what's your motive in that you know they're gonna stumble they're gonna fall there's gonna be struggle and praise be to God that he will be there to pick them up and then they can build a relationship with them and and I think that that's one of the biggest testaments in my life as far as I have to let them go and fall and struggle because if they don't when will they look up you know mm-hmm. it's been transformative for me to be able to say it out loud and it's been in the course of having older children and younger children and, and watching those things happen but it's a lot easier and a lot I'm a lot less fearful than I was and mm-hmm. um, when I believed that it was wholly on me. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite quotes from your new book called Sacred Ground Sticky Floor is how less than perfect parents can raise kind of great kids. (laughs) This is a great book and you said this about fear, the antidote to fear isn't to become more of his child, like to strive to become more. The antidote to fear is believing that you are his child. And I love that picture of you just resting in your own daddy's arms. And thank God you have a loving father to model that for you. And um, God, I would hope that we would strive to show that Jesus to our kids. What do you think are some of the biggest issues that moms are facing in terms of showing that Jesus to their kids? Well, probably worry, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, we speak one thing with our mouths and then we're frantic, which is normal. I'm not saying stop being frantic because I'm still frantic sometimes, but this constant, this is how you have to be, this is how you have to be, this is how you have to be. And I think it portrays an or else Jesus Mm. to our kids. You know, if this happens, then this will happen and or else kind of, you know. Mm. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus. Nothing. He loves us. And he wants good things for us. He never condemns. He convicts, but he never condemns. Yesterday, we had a really bad morning. And the two younger boys were fighting. And Justin's out of town. I'm frazzled. I'm trying to get everybody out the door and do all the things. And it was not a good morning. And I finally get him sat down for breakfast and put their cereal in front of them, their juice, and I'm packing their lunches and everything. And that's understood. There's never any point where those boys look at me and go, gosh, this is a really bad day. Am I still your kid? Are you still my mom? And we parent that way. And I believe that God gave us these relationships to model what it is like. They never ask me that. And and even my biological children never call and go, hey, am I still your kid? And I believe that we question our connection to Jesus enough in front of our kids, like, I use this a lot, the waking up at 5.30 in the morning to spend time with God. Absolutely. He wakes me up at 4.30. I mean, just does. And that's when I have my time with him. But back in the day when I was still very works-oriented, I would set my alarm for 5.30. And no matter what, if I was up all night with a hurt foster love, if I'd been called out in the middle of the night to sit with a foster love, if I'd been up with sick kids, if I'd been up sick myself, if I slept through that 5.30 alarm, I spent the rest of the day repenting. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I tell my kids, I didn't have my quiet time. And then, Okay, that is great. But it didn't add or take away from the cross. Mm-hmm. The cross says it all. 
it's all done. It's all finished. He wants to be with me. But, and I, when I was explaining, when I did fall into the arms of grace, I was explaining to my oldest daughter, what if I told you that every single morning, no matter what, you had to meet me here at 530 in the morning. You had to tell me everything that you needed, everything that you wanted, everything you were grateful for, and everything you were sorry for, even if we'd already been over it. You had to tell me all of that. And then when we were finished, I would decide whether or not I was going to break your ankle. And she was like, well, I don't think I'd want to do that. So that is a relationship. She and I like to be together. She and I want to be together. She's not required to be with me, but she's my child, and she knows that she's welcome here, and we have that. When you take away the have-tos and you start going with just the want-tos or the call from him, a gentle whisper, hey, how about a second, those kind of things, then you enter into this covenant relationship that is adoring and adorable and wonderful and even when it's a bad day he's still there he still provides and this question of do you still love me am I in trouble those things I think I think my kids saw those early on because it was always about okay even when we homeschooled you know okay we're gonna start the day with prayer we're gonna do this and this and this and this and you know it was this routine and as it went on, there was a little bit more flexibility in it and more enjoyment in it. But I think they saw, or I know they did, a lot of fear in me. Mm-hmm. And thinking, and I call it an if-then Jesus. If I do this, then he'll do this. So if I homeschool my kids and take them to church and we pay our tithes and we do all the things on my particular checklist, then he will produce these perfect humans and everything will be fine. The problem with that the biggest problem with that is he's just a good God. There's He's good. All good things come from him. He's good. So how many people do you know that pay their tithes perfectly and never miss a day of church and then have lost a child in a car accident? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, he's impossible to explain like that. And we're separated from him in that belief that he's doing stuff to us to get us to, to stay in line or toe the line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, from a parenting's perspective, think about that. There, there are if-then consequences in our parenting, you know. If, if you sneak out the window, you're, you'll be in trouble. But does it change our love? Does it change our desire for that child to be whole and well? And I think that that's what we're missing. I think we're looking at just this, the outward appearance of how things look and, and what we want for our kids, what we think is best for them, and, and forgetting that they're adored great more greatly than we can even fathom and we're crazy about them right and he doesn't shift in that he doesn't change in that and it's very freeing and it's actually an excellent for me now parenting from that place very freeing to know that these things are going to and i just had that just today i opened one of the vandals folders and i was reading the note and i was like oh my gosh then I was thinking that needs to be addressed but even worrying that the teacher feels differently about him or that I feel differently about him or that God feels differently about him it's just not true it's just not true he loves us he created us for company and for fellowship and we can't perfect it and I don't think that we want to perfect it if we perfect it they don't need him and I want my kids to need him that's what I want
Amen. When do you find the perfect uh, time, or not to throw around the word perfect too loosely, but when do you find the best time to show your kids, look, we need him. Look, this is when we reach out to him. (laughs) Constantly. But here's the thing, and I hear this all the time, and I was very convicted of this, so please hear me when I say he has laid this on my heart, and people can disagree to you know, shout out from the mountains. A yes to Jesus invites him into your life no matter what. So I, you know, people are always like, well, I'm waiting for him to make a decision for Christ. My pet peeve. Oh, well, I guess he wasn't really saved. What? How is that up to you? He said yes as a child. And who does Jesus tell us to come to him as a child? And so I think that you constantly are showing not lecturing or scripturing or anything else but I mean you know I say on everywhere and I've said it to my kids for years you know Jesus be all over you and um that's my prayer for my little ones and even Charlie and he's four he's actually more in tune to that and maybe that's because of a little bit harder beginning or whatever but he came in here last night and flung open the door and he said you didn't say Jesus be all over me you didn't say anything about good dreams I've got to have that. I was like, I'm sorry, Jesus be all over you, and Jesus, please just good dreams. Okay, disclaimer, if you have little ears listening, so the Santa Claus thing, <laughs> and, which we always did, and I'm a little bit more rebellious about now, because with my two younger sons, this is the truth. They have to believe me. They don't know their story unless they can trust me. Mm-hmm. So I have in the back of my mind that that's not something that we need to be doing with them, that it needs to be you know, understood that this is how we do things. But the reason that I feel that way is because with Luke, our middle son, when he found out about Santa, he said, well, did you lie about Jesus too? Mm. And here's the thing, you know, we're saying Jesus, 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 yes, Jesus. And then we have these other things that we're like, well, yes, but that was just for fun. The truth is, is that the belief of a child and implanting that in them, yes, Jesus, this is the story. You take this story with you, and someday you will make it your own. I can't make you love him. You can't make somebody love Jesus. You can try, Mm -hmm. but you can't make them love Jesus. Mm -hmm. But you can instill in them the story of him and the goodness of him, and they will recall that. Mm -hmm. They will remember that, and they will know that that's the name they can call on. And he promises us that, you know, raise them up. But I, I think that we take it to this next level of, I not only have to teach them that, I have to make them believe it and be whole and complete and sin-free when they leave this house. And um, it's not realistic and it's not real. And I think the majority of people would agree there was a time that they heard of him. There was a time that they believed in him. And then there was a time when they had no choice but to believe him Mm. and fully submit to how good he is and that he is the only hope. And that's when he becomes yours, your God. And more than, you know, a coloring sheet or a cucumber and a tomato, more than any of those things, but your Lord and Savior. Mm. And I think we will all want that for our kids. And granted, it would be nice. If we could, and I'm, there's some who I'm sure who do come out on that with a little bit easier. But there's very few of us that can testify to a perfect 
no questions asked salvation or you know no toiling with that and working it out you know with fear and trembling just going what do I believe what do I know to be truth who are you what are you and I I think that part has to be in a, a more mature way but yes we can speak it into them and we can pour it over them and we can pray it for them and I think that the best way that we can show it to them is just purely by love and not conditional love and I do I know people get tired of me saying this but a good I love you never has a but and a good sorry never has a but and you know the whole thing I love you but you shouldn't have snuck out no I love you I love you I love you still you're not allowed to sneak out <laughs> that's the rule and a but you know mm-hmm. and I think we say that you know all the time I'm sorry but you did this and this and this well no I'm sorry for your grief I'm sorry this is hurting I'm sorry this 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 and this then you go over to the next thing and go here's the situation here's the consequences and I'm not sorry for those I'm grieving with you for how it's affecting you mm-hmm. but I'm not sorry but Right. I'm sorry, and this is this. And I think separating those two is a great way to, to show Christ because he doesn't have a bet. It wasn't, I'm getting on this cross and dying for you, and now you have to go all, do all this stuff. You know, he said to the thief on the cross, do you accept me? And he said yes, and he didn't go, okay, but now you have to. He went, okay, here we go. I'm your Lord and Savior. This is it. Mm-hmm. So... I can kind of get on a soapbox about that, but <laughs> no, sorry. No, no. It's such good stuff, Jamie. Gosh, you covered basically all the questions that I had. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. No, and, and just just the reminder that we cannot create little Jesus followers, you know, no. and that can be really, gosh, disappointing to some who kind of find value and worth in in the doing. And you know, I'm I self admitted sort of recovering perfectionist too and this whole journey of my my own blogging journey has been wonderfully healing for me and the more authors that I speak to it's it it reminds me you know remember Jen it's not yours it's mine you just need to be obedient you just need to be obedient with what you have and what we do with our kids when they're on the sacred ground of our home I absolutely love that that is the metaphor that you began with just that our home is the sacred ground and it is safe and it is the place where they can come whatever they choose yes they are little people that god is calling apart from us and we can only influence to a certain time so i mean it's just a message that we're just going to have to keep hearing over and over as moms and which is the importance of community you know it we, we can't say enough that we need each other in this but I want to ask you one thing about that community, the church specifically, because we're trying to raise our kids in church, you know, whether we grew up in church or didn't and are not trying to give that to our kids. Talk about how church doesn't always do the Jesus thing well for our kids and where we can come in and sort of rectify that message of grace for them. So I have Maggie's 23, John's 20, and Luke is about to be 19. And in their circles and in their friends, one of the things that I hate to hear its nails on a chalkboard is, well, I hate Christians or I hate the church. I won't ever go back. And I think the, the thing that we have to remember and that we have to show our kids is the church is made up of people. 
and people will let you down. Jesus won't. Mm. And people with the best intentions and the people that, you know, they call good Christians and, you know, somebody said that to us the other day. They were showing our house and they're like, and they're really good Baptists. And I was like, oh, okay. That's good for them. Because <laughs> what does that mean? Like, that means on the outside, you're seeing all the good that they do and all those smiley faces and their kids are behaving and all this the things <laughs> okay they're still human and I think that when we start putting and that's the whole point of stolen Jesus is you know mm. put, taking all of these little things from people and putting them on the head of Christ and then assuming that he's like them and I said one of my favorite which is not my favorite but when I hear from someone that has read stolen Jesus and gone ah, yeah that, I did that you know and there's a couple that stand out my pastor assaulted me. My stepfather was a pastor and he verbally and physically abused us. Mm. You know, this person was my hero in this church and then he left his wife for another woman and I attributed that to Christ. And if you if you think about it, it's very easy to do. Our pastor's so amazing, he's so on he's so on fire, he's so full of the Lord, and then he lets you down. He lets you down. Jesus doesn't let you down. Mm. So I think one of the things, and this is true of any social network, is to remind our kids, this is a place where we're being fed and nurtured, and this is where we love to be. If this fell apart, if this building burned down, if something happened and they stopped meeting here, if all of the people got in a fight and started a church on the north side and the south side, Jesus remains. Mm-hmm. I know I didn't tell my kids that. We were just church going, church going, church going, you know, toe the line, go to church. When that fell apart, and it happens a lot, and we started having questions, and then there was a big upheaval in our church over from some financial stuff like that, and that social network completely dissolved. My kids were left thinking, wait, what? What happened? That was what we knew. We can't just teach church. We have to teach Jesus, and he is the body. Yes, he is, but he is perfect, and we are not, and I don't I, I don't know how exactly the very best way it, I think it has to be when they're a little bit older but they have to understand you know a move even moving to another town and not finding that same community any of those things don't shake Jesus mm-hmm. he doesn't change and even in us you know we're not Jesus so you know we go through a health crisis or a spiritual crisis or something like that they what they have to understand is we're your brothers and sisters in Christ, we're on this journey with you. It doesn't all rest on me. A while back, I had a friend that's marriage ended terribly, unexpected hurt, and it's been a long time ago, but their kids were so broken in their spirituality because their dad had been this spiritual giant that was not faithful. And to them, all of that came across as a lie. And so I think that admitting our shortcomings, letting our kids know, you know, I'm human and you still love me. Do you, you know, even that example, saying to our kids, you still love, I screamed and yelled, do you still love me? Am I still your mom? You know, those kind of things. And letting them see that humanness instead of this constant parade of perfection and how things are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. He makes it sacred. We make it sticky, and guess what? He stays. He stays, and he loves, and he loves perfectly when we don't. Um, 
you know, it's 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 easier to say when there's nobody banging on my door or trying to, you know, or breaking something or asking for more cheese or whatever. But it's still sacred. He's still here. And not long after the, the title Sacred Ground, Sticky Floors popped into my head. Another thing popped into my head that I love. I was just covered in shells. But I was thinking about just pondering that sacred ground sticky floors and I just loud and clear he wanders my halls he searches my heart and he stays he stays even when I'm mad even when I'm ugly when even when things aren't going well he stays and to know that there's no risk and think about the security we're offering our children they don't my kids don't wake up every morning and go did she did she leave in the middle of the night that I guess is possible I can't fathom but it's possible he stays he stays that's beautiful. That's beautiful, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you for that heartfelt encouragement. And God, may Jesus be all over all y'all this week for <laughs> listening to this. This is amazing because Jesus being right there with us is such is such the grace. But if we've always ever seen him as more of a policeman, more of a watchdog, no. No more. And that he flees, that he's in and out. Like like people are. I mean, you know, yeah. I think that that is one of the things with church, you know. Just your kids fall in love with a character, a Sunday school teacher at church, and then that person moves or whatever. Jesus stayed. He stayed. Mm-hmm. He stayed even when it got ugly. He stayed. And I think that that is the thing I want my kids to know. He stays. Yeah. There's You cannot be separated from the love of Jesus Christ. He, somebody said, I had an interview the other day, and that I've been walking with Jesus since childhood and then she's like wait 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 no. he's been pursuing me <laughs> yes <laughs> my whole life and I really do think that it's yeah. and somebody said earlier on in this I said something about it, that he craves our company and they're like you can't say that he craves he doesn't crave he does no because he can have anything he wants he doesn't crave and I and I, I really went back and thought about it and I was like he craved us unto his death you know, anybody else that would die this brutal death just to be with you so that the veil was torn so nothing could separate you from him? That's a craving. That's something you want. You want that. <laughs> That's fierce. You know, That's just go, crazy. I kind of think that I'm going to die this horrible death because I kind of want to be around these people. No, you crave that companionship. And he craves that with us. And to think that he craves that with my children, it makes my cheeks hurt. <laughs> it's just, it makes me smile so much. My cheeks are. I know, it makes me too. <laughs> cheeks are. But he did. He craved us. And I think that we you know we just put him in this box, and he does this, and he he will tolerate this, and won't tolerate this, and this makes him gag, and this makes him flee. Nope. <laughs> he just craved us unto his death, and he thought that he, just any one of your kids. I mean, I think about this. You know, okay, Charlie, who had a horrible morning and was in trouble yesterday at school, thought. Yep, he's worth it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. I crave him that much. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I talk about it, and I mean, like, today, it's been a hard day. And so I was praying before we got on here. I decided I want to be as genuine as possible. When I start talking about this, there's no hiding that I'm a different person, and I'm a different person because of him. Mm-hmm. There's sticky nastiness going on. But he stays and he's good and he loves me so he stole money out of my car and my gum they took my gum I know I thought it was locked and it wasn't locked and I was driving home and I had a little cry and oh you know all the stuff and I just he stays God bless that person don't choke on the gum spend that money wisely (laughs) off you go 
he stays and he's got something else in mind to cover that so that's I'm not a Bible scholar (laughs) (laughs) but it takes away all the unnecessary worry right the things the things just all the things that we think we can control and it's when we let go and say you know it's okay because I am more deeply loved than that situation yes wow thank you Jamie thank you for coming on to the podcast today this has been such a pleasure it's a pleasure for me just to know you and God thank you thank you for your your obedience and and that just to be loved by God thank you I really enjoyed it I got churched up but thank you (laughs) (laughs) you just took us all to church this morning been listening to the Practical Family Podcast and my interview with Jamie Amarine, author of Sacred Grounds, Sticky Floors, How Less Than Perfect Parents Can Raise Kind of Great Kids. You can enter to win a copy of Jamie's book by entering the Practical Family giveaway. Just go ahead and go to the show notes. Wherever you're listening, you'll be able to click on the link for the giveaway there and enter to win. Now, by entering to win, you'll also be subscribing to the Practical Family Community, which is an awesome thing because I am always doing giveaways. I'm always doing uh, updates on what we have coming out in Practical Family, and you'll get to hear of the latest blog posts, the latest podcasts, and all of the fun freebie stuff that comes up throughout the year, not just for the holidays, but all year long. Something that I started doing was offering the actual video where I'm interviewing podcast guests. You get to see the uncut video when you become a subscriber to the Practical Family community. And so that means you'll get access to the freebie library that has all my digital freebies in there and also all of the podcast videos. So you can watch us recording the original video where I first interview each guest. So you'll get to see that um, for free just by being part of the community. So sign up now. Go to practicalfamily.org. Also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. And as always, thank you for listening. This has been Jennifer Bright with the Practical Family Podcast, where we are encouraging you and families like yours to build strong foundations and healthy homes. Mm -hmm.